Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Between Realities VR podcast. That's right. It's the best podcast ever. And we're so happy to <laughs> have you better here. Better than Joe Rogan. Yeah. Better than Lex Friedman. Yeah. Who? <laughs> <laughs> Who? Between Realities. Mad, mad respect to those guys, by the way. Of course. <laughs> of course. Like, you know, low-key Joe Rogan yeah. is uh, obviously... I don't know, maybe obvious, maybe not obviously, but in, it is a, he is a big inspiration. Yeah. You know, it's all about the authenticity yeah. in his show. Well, and maybe there's less of that these days, you know, but especially in mm -hmm. the early days, like mm -hmm. that guy was not afraid to talk about anything. Yep. And I love that. Yep. I like being as authentic and uh, without inhibition as possible. I agree. Mm. I love it. Stoked to be here, man. Me this too. Is, uh, I feel like we are, we are in like the middle of this of no show last week and no show next week so don't remind me i know i know i know so i'm really digging being here with all you people right now thanks for coming don't really remind me hello everyone welcome <laughs> to the show my name is alex i am one half of between realities the other half is sitting next to me it's skiva hey what's up what's dude? up baby how are you doing good <laughs> you know we uh we're on the heels of uh of the weekend at game on expo which we'll dive into here in a few minutes yeah talk a little bit about our experience there but um i will say that it completely wiped me out and that this past week i've been yeah. just destroyed useless. Me. it destroyed completely me. useless yep yep but it was a great great weekend and um we'll we'll discuss it a little bit a little bit more here in the future in the near future Aww. oh man this coffee's tasting good it smells good. It's pretty good. <laughs> I gotta say, shout out to uh, to Keurig or Nespresso or whoever the hell made your machine. I don't know. Keurig, Keurig made it, and uh, and you are drinking um, Illy, Illy Intensio roast, and it is Illy. delicious. Is that is that the <laughs> my favorite coffee for I love you I L Y Illy? I don't, I don't know, but I do love that coffee, so I'll take it. I do love it. I will take it. It is good. Yeah, it's, you know, classy grandma dropping a super chat right off the bat. Yo. Thank you, Classy. Yo, I'll give you one of these, baby. You're the best. I'll give you one of those. <laughs> $10 super chat from Classy Grandma says, Oh, I've missed you guys. Love you so much. Whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop, indeed, Classy Grandma. <laughs> Thank you for being here. Thank you for your donation. And also, Laszlo216, Cleveland Heights representing, uh, yeah. joining the Between Realities crew for another hey. month of dedicated membership. Thanks. We appreciate you guys. Yeah. All your support. And yeah. where it's not required, it's always appreciated. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Never required. Always appreciated. Yes. And always put to good use. Yes. Absolutely. We've we've never we haven't squandered a cent. No. Right? No. Definitely right? not. That uh, the hookers and blood did not count. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you, I mean, we assumed you guys knew that that's what we'd be spending it on, right? <laughs> no, it, it really has helped. It's helped with equipment. You guys know the drill, right? This stuff isn't necessarily cheap to do all by our lonesome. And we typically don't take sponsors most of the time. Um, so, so yeah, yeah, you know, we've got some friends and allies out there, mm -hmm. including Upload VR, who we're proud to say we are official correspondents of. You might be catching this episode uh, on the weekend for the replay crew uh, over on UploadVR.com as they share our episodes to the front page each weekend. And if that's true, then amazing. Great. And thanks for being here. Thanks for being into Upload. And thanks for just being a general VR homie, right? Yes. Also, you can catch uh, the audio version of our podcast on um, your favorite audio podcast platform whatever it might be, and even the video version in other places besides YouTube, which is pretty crazy. 
But yeah, yeah, you can get us on Spotify. You can even get the audio, uh, the video version on Spotify, but you can just listen to it on there. Google Play Podcasts, iTunes, uh, all of that stuff. Go check it out. And while you're thinking about all this stuff, please subscribe. Just take a minute and click that button and it'll make our day. Imagine anything else in life where you could just click a button and it just made someone's day, right? Yeah. I mean, you know. <laughs> Okay, yes, you would, make our day. <laughs> <laughs> you would make our day, like and subscribe, hit the button. Classy Grandma dropping another $5. Classy, what the hell are you Classy. doing? She said, no lie, I am very honored to know you guys. Aww. Listen, the honor is all ours. Okay? It's ours. We are honored to have you and everyone else here in our amazing Between Realities uh, community. And um, for the love of God, somebody else donate so Classy Grandma can put her wallet away. Right? <laughs> Classy, we're not trying to do this to you, girl. <laughs> But we appreciate you, and um, we will always cherish any contributions. Um, but yes, by, by no means should you ever feel obligated to do so. Got some great people here in chat. I do want to say hey to Mickey Burr that I see in here. Mickey or Mickey who? Bear. Mickey Bear. I always just read it, and it looks like Mickey Burr, but it's pronounced Mickey Bear. And uh, Mickey came out to um, to the Game On Expo, which we'll get into here in a few, and we appreciate him, along with a whole bunch of the other um uh, people here in chat and we will get into that yep. in a moment. So. Yep. Q creator is also here in chat. Yes. He says the weekend and he has never been wrong. Nope. When he last on the last episode of between realities, you maybe noticed that uh, when Q creator jumped into the chat, I was joking. I jokingly said something along the lines of like Q creators coming. He's going to be here. He's, I'm going to see him on the weekend. And if he's not wearing a t-shirt that says the weekend on it, when he walks through those doors, I'm going to be upset. <laughs> the guy came wearing a shirt that said the week <laughs> like i don't know what he else absolutely to do. did i don't it know was what, so epic i know he's it just like so boom epic. here it is weekend. Yep. i was like wow look yep. at you the real deal, the man you creator yep. yeah uh, the real deal ryan b's in the house saying happy friday looking forward to this one as are we it's going to be a great episode um virtual steve is in the house looking forward to today's show yeah that's right brother it's about to go down Getting things done is here. That's Jay Dunn. That's our homie. What's up, Jay Dunn? How's right on time. Wait, hey. that all rhymes, dude. You just, <laughs> you're constantly flowing. You don't know how to stop. It's weird. <laughs> uh, classy grandma, of course, and Lesla two sixteen, of course, hey. uh, now making donations and uh, you know just helping us in general here on the Between Reality Ship. Dan Kitty VR in the house. We, what's going on, little Brandon VR, who I still what's am up, mad at for the last uh, session of Breachers. I played. He's with too him. good at Breachers, man. Yes, he's really, I, really I good. refuse to take I refuse to take responsibility for my losses while I was there. I feel like <laughs> it was all I, I had trash fault. teammates. Yep. Yeah. Brandon was hacking. Was lag. Yeah. You know, I don't know what it was. But yeah. It wasn't all of because those things he's better than me. I y promise you. Not at all. <laughs> uh, VR Spry guys here. What's up, yo? And recycled hey, also what's here. Up? Hello. Good what's to up, see guys? you. Red slash Ace. That's Peter. He's hey. dude with the haptic glove. Yeah. What's up, Peter? In the wake of our haptic glove episode from last week. Heck yeah. Mm. Heck yeah. I just can't get enough this right. You know, right after that, I um I booked a ticket to uh, Massachusetts. I got to go back there in October, and uh, so I'm gonna hit up Lucas and be like, "Hey, take me to MIT." Yeah, yeah. Show me some stuff. Yeah, give me a tour. <laughs> let, let me play with some super expensive VR equipment. Uh, Hussein X, hey y'all, what's up, yo? Good to see you. Little hey. Michelle B in the house. Hello. Always a pleasure to see you, Michelle B. What's up? Andy's VR Reviews. What's up, everybody? Happy Friday. Yo, yo. What's up? Virtual Steve said Joe and Lex are the two biggest non-VR podcasts that I listen to. Yeah, you and yeah. pretty much everybody else, I think. Dude, oh, they're so good. And I just, I love Lex Freeman, too. He really is just I've never listened to one. You need to, bro. That dude is 
is so amazing. Is he just amazing. asking the right questions? Or he what? is, and, and the right people, and the right questions, and you know, just his whole backstory, everything about him. He's just awesome. Weird, amazing dude. Weird. Uh, Jonas uh, Sandstent is here. Yo, hey. what's up, Jonas? How's it going? Thanks for coming by. And Butter Something as well. What's up, Butter Something? I do love to see Butt or, or something. something. That's right. <laughs> Chroma Snare. Yo, what's up? What's up, Chroma? Good to see you. Hey, what's up, Chroma Snare? How are you? By. Thank you all for joining us. So we don't want to waste any time uh, getting into today's guest because we need that screen that our guest is on. We so, do. <laughs> so we can show you guys some stuff. I'm currently a lecturer at La Trobe University in Melbourne, Australia. Uh, today's guest is someone who holds a... I don't know, this is a, a loosely loosely speaking holds a phd in presence you know we always oh, talk about presence and presence how vr <laughs> is just this amazing tool for delivering the sense of presence um but there's that's 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 a long long deep rabbit hole to explore and a lot to to unpack when you start to have this conversation i can't wait to unpack it yeah but <laughs> all right <laughs> so everybody uh please let's not waste any time help me introduce to between realities dr rick scarbez hey rick how's it going brother hey hey i'm doing great fantastic to be here thanks for the invitation and i'm loving the community that you guys got going in here i'm stoked to talk about some stuff thanks awesome. man thanks we thanks do have coming, a, right? a pretty amazing community you know we've got delicious sneaking in here as well and uh um, plenty of other people who of course love to catch our show um even when it's not live so yeah um, we're, we're really excited to have you on to uh, share some of your perspective in uh, this emerging landscape of virtual reality because uh we're all obsessed i don't know about you but we're all pretty obsessed <laughs> a little bit pretty little obsessed bit. pretty obsessed a little bit obsessed <laughs> mm -hmm. now i do have to say before we say or do anything rick you're the very first line here in the chat it's not the very very first they, they refresh you mm -hmm. can't see the oldest ones but my currently f oldest line in the chat is from you rick and it says thanks i'm preparing with a midwest emo playlist so apologies in advance if I'm not interesting instead very emotional. <laughs> I love Midwest emo. Like, love Midwest emo. I grew up in Michigan. I went to high school. I graduated high school in 2005. And emo bands were everywhere. And, like, I was a part of the whole thing. And I played in bands, too, but n never an emo band. Although I do have a bucket list uh, goal of recording a Midwest emo album before I die. So anyway, when you wow. said that, that's an awesome goal. I'm I'm stoked. I I will pledge to your GoFundMe to make that happen. So <laughs> I mean, let's it, see what we can do. I'm, I might need to hit you up for like contributing vocals or something. You know, like I feel like you've got it in your blood. You know, we might need to collaborate <laughs> on this one. I'm I'm down anytime. And if you're that's out there funny. thinking to yourself like, what the hell is Midwest emo? <laughs> Go on Spotify and start digging. All right, because after the show, I'm going to yeah, be digging. I think, dude, if 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 your heartstrings aren't aren't being pulled, man, I I don't know. Something's I mean, wrong. I, I, I once saw you know for an opening band for a band I was going to see, it was My Chemical Romance. Does that count? And that's emo, isn't it? Uh, Every, everyone there was very sad, and apparently <laughs> they saved everyone's life in the entire crowd. So I, I don't know. <laughs> that is hilarious. Um, so I would not qualify them as Midwest. Okay. Um, but they just it, emo? but if you, they're not even really. They're I mean, technically, I guess you could classify. Oh, them, but if you okay. are a Midwest emo fan, you're not about okay. to classify 
My Chemical Romance okay. as an emo band. Is, does, does this resonate? I was trying. Am I speaking I properly? <laughs> you're, you're speaking my language okay. at least. So you know, there, there's something. My Chemical Romance doesn't remind me of like potholes and and gray snow. Uh, in the way that you know a proper Midwest emo does. Okay, right. okay. So, so where are you from, dude? Because you're in Melbourne, right? You're in Melbourne, Australia. You're a lecturer at Latrobe yes. University. You're crushing it out there. You've got your PhD, um, but uh, you're not from there, right? No, I am not. I am from. Uh... Well, I'm from Forest City, Pennsylvania, but uh, closer to Scranton, I suppose, would be the uh, ancestral home of the Scarbez family. So, uh, you know, cool. I'm re representing the Rust Belt over here in Melbourne. Yes. You're, you're about as far east as the Midwest emo reaches there in Pennsylvania. That, that is exactly right. It, it's a bit of a stretch, but I think we have it in our hearts. Well, obviously, so. obviously, like, I, I, like you, we're sitting here just vibing off of it so hard. It's like, yeah, we should start a band, I think. <laughs> well, just never know what's going to happen on this show. No. A band has just formed. Just like that. An emo band <laughs> yeah. from, from the guy that I know just loves the dirtiest, nastiest death metal that I've ever seen. Dude, there's a, doing some, some emo. There's a fine line <laughs> between Midwest emo and death metal. Well, wow, okay. If okay, that's cool. You're 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 walking wow. the line if you're on it. It's all about uh like unbridled emotional uh like dumping into your music. Okay. I dig it. It's the real that's deal. That's cool. It's right. the real deal. But anyway, this is a show about VR. Uh, this is. And, uh, you know, if you guys want to talk about Midwest email, hit me up. <laughs> Get in my DMs <laughs> and let's trade bands. Um, so I definitely am excited to to talk with you, Dr. Rick, because, you know, we are our self. What is the word? Uh, like self-described, I guess, tagline on the show is the uh, the VR podcast from the philosophical gamers perspective. And it's almost impossible for me to have a conversation about virtual reality without thinking about the nature and definition of reality. And I think a lot of the work that you've been doing helps to gain some perspective and maybe like attempt to start to answer kind of some of the questions that kicked up when we start to like peel away the layers of the tech. Um, so I'm so stoked to dive into this. But before we do, we do need to talk a little bit about what has happened in the past week. Um, mm -hmm. We didn't have an episode last Friday, and I know everybody out there was distraught. You know, we were getting just like handwritten letters in the mail from passionate fans it's just crazy. like it's begging crazy. us to do the show <laughs> because they can't go another week without it. And I, yes, that I, happened. You know, I believe it, and it means a lot to us, but sometimes we have to take a break. And we did this week so we could execute Game On Expo. Everybody knows that we've been talking about it for like six months. And yes, I would say it went off without a hitch. What would you say? Yeah, dude, it was great. It was great. We had um, we had so much VR. It was absolutely nutty how much VR we brought. To it this blows thing. my mind how like fast it was over. You know, yeah. like this is something that I've been looking forward to for like months and months and months. And honestly, I guess like experiencing a little bit of anxiety about mm -hmm. for months, just because we, you and I have done this for a few years now, we know kind of the size of this operation yep. and what it takes to pull it off. And, 
you know, we have to basically have to like uproot our, our homes and rip all we the do. tech out of them. <laughs> we do. I mean, we bring all our own screens and TVs and we bring, you know, we brought 15 VR stations. We brought multiple PlayStation VR 2s, PlayStation VR 1s, like four or five Quest 2s, Quest Pros. Uh, Quest 1s. You know, Rift S's, Quest 1s. Yeah, we were running Rift job S. sim on Quest 1s. Yeah. We had, a, we had a, a, a Pimax Crystal going. We had... Uh, Oh my God! We had uh, HTC Vive uh, Pro Two. We had HTC Vive XR Elites. We had everything. It was nuts. Pico. And we had Pico Four. <laughs> we had a Pico. Yeah. We. I mean, we just brought. We brought everything, and so many people came in and were excited to try different headsets. People would come in and be like, "I need to try the Pimax Crystal, or I need to try this game, or whatever it may be," and uh, it, and it was great. And so many people got into VR. It, it yeah, was amazing. It was it was truly amazing. Yeah. And you know, I guess one thing that I kind of forget about, like we do a show here for adults, right? Like yeah. let's just call it as it is. Like this show is not for children. This yeah. show is not for kids. Like if you're a teenager, you're probably not interested in in what we're yeah. doing here. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. Maybe I don't know. I'm willing to bet <laughs> you don't care. You know, like you're just you're trying to play games. Like you're trying you're playing, yeah. trying to play G tag. You know, yeah. or whatever it is. Um, there were so many kids. Like, yeah. I would say maybe seventy five percent, eighty percent kids that that we gave demos to. Oh, I, I mean, I don't know. I my the 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 um the demos that I did, I felt like were mostly adults. Well, you were in propagation with the B haptics vest. B haptics vest, Pimax crystal with a very scary experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're not putting children into that, but I yeah. mean, otherwise, like there were kids just. Pouring yeah, into the it was a lot of kids. There was definitely a lot of kids. I mean, which is great because the kids are the ones that are growing up now with VR, and they're going to expect like full immersive content. You know what I mean? And they're they're going to be the ones to truly grow this industry right. even further than uh, than what we're doing now. Can't say so. gaming is in the chat. He is one of the people from the community who actually came out to get yes. Expo to help us execute this thing. And he ran a Beat Saber station for like. Uh, multiple days and absolutely crushed it yeah. and had a great time. Yeah. Um, in addition, of course, Q Creator and Mickey Bear, who we mentioned earlier, Creeper Betty came out, Eric and his wife Steph came out, and uh, Todd and his wife Allison from Q2C VR Gamer, they were both there. We had our homie uh, Mike Bowen and his wife Jauncey come through, mm -hmm. um, Corey, yeah. Jimmy, Dakota, the, the younger homies who yep. showed up and, and helped us execute this. Um, we had uh, Eric. Eric, who is also yeah. on uh, on Mike Bowen's team. Yeah. Is that is that everybody that I don't want to leave anybody out? I think. Uh, would you say Brittany? And, wife, and Brittany? of course, my wife Brittany, yeah. who who cooked and prepared food for us for the whole week. Which is so clutch because when you're at these things, first of all, expo centers have garbage food and they charge a million dollars for anything. And and your wonderful wife prepared food for everyone. No one went hungry this whole time. Everyone ate very well, and it even really gave us yes, <laughs> even the vegan guy. So it, it just gave us all the fuel we needed to pull this off. This stuff, you know, we were doing we were pulling fourteen hour days. You know, you got to come in, you got to set all this stuff up. You have to uh, give everyone a good experience, but you also have to keep everyone safe. And when you have 15 people crammed into a space, so many things can go wrong. You know, we have, we have, you know, a couple of very scary experiences where people were doing their first VR experiences in very high end headsets yep. uh, with very high end PCs that had no idea what they were in for. And you got to watch people you know, people wobble over in certain directions. They don't know that they're moving through space. People, you know, sometimes they try to run. Like you have to be 
you gotta be on it and you gotta make sure everyone's safe and no one gets punched and kids don't go running across the totally. room. So, so it takes a lot of energy for 14 hours a day to pull something like this off and have no one get hurt. And yep. I think the only semi injury we had is <laughs> your wife, Brittany got punched pretty Brittany hard. Got smacked by a controller <laughs> yeah. pretty hard. Yeah. There, uh, there was somebody playing against on the Pico four yeah. and they were just in it, like yep. fully in it. And she got smacked on the back of her shoulder. Yeah. Um, she walked away from it. No, no serious injuries. Didn't yeah. break the skin. But that is like the only moment I can think of. And yeah. it did get a little wild from time to time. Like there yeah. was this one kid who kept coming in. He was like getting wild with all of his experiences. Yeah. And he's playing pistol whip, literally sprawled out on the floor. Like he's playing pistol whip on his back, like barely peeking up to shoot while he's mm -hmm. laying down. Really interesting. Yeah, very interesting. Very um, interesting. And but, speaking of you know. the games, like I think we did a great job curating the game list yeah, this year. We okay. had uh, for the PlayStation 2, we were showing Synapse, uh, Horizon Call of the Mountain, Switchback, and... Zombieland Headshot, Zombie Headshot Fever. We tried Star Wars. Yeah. Turns out that's not a good experience for yeah. a demo. Yeah, it's not. It's not, but of course Beat Saber was rolling, um, Propagation VR, Five Nights at Freddy's, Pistol Whip, Demio, Walkabout Mini Golf. Demio and Walkabout, yep. Those were great, our sponsors, by the way. Yep. Shout out to Walkabout and Demio for sponsoring the game on Expo and providing yep. their game for us to show everybody there. Um, Richie's Plank, Real VR Fishing, yeah. Job H Simulator. HTC was also a sponsor, but no naming all kinds of hardware. Um, you know, we got to show Yuki MR and give people like really cool MR experiences as well as like one of those, um, HTC headsets was just shredding the whole time in Beat Saber. Yep. You know, the whole time. and, and those, those wands, those Vive wands, they're old, but man, you can't get a better controller from Beat Saber. It is really good. You know? It allows you to like yeah. flow through your wrist a little yeah. bit more than the touch controllers where you're like all the way up in, in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So anyway, that's Game on Expo. Yep. Uh, it was a great was time. Great. We pulled it off. I can't believe how fast it went. Like yep. we just showed up, set it up, jammed it out, broke it down, left, and it was like, holy shit, that's done. Like wow. I know. I know. I can't it was believe crazy. It. It, was, it was nuts. Pretty cool, huh, Rick? Yeah. Very cool. Uh, <laughs> I, I just want to make a couple of points following up on that discussion. One is like props to wives. Props yeah. to wives, yes. bro. Yeah. For that, real. That's good stuff. Good. Good stuff. Uh, and I definitely relate. Uh, great job avoiding injuries with that many heads, headsets and stuff going on. Injuries or, or equipment destruction. Yep. Uh, when I was at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, about 10, 15 years ago, we used to run VR demos all the time. And that was, you know, equipment that you couldn't get, usually equipment that was wired to things. And we had a... Uh, faculty member who will go unnamed who did our demo once and like <laughs> thought it was really cool and came back and did like a full running leap off the the plank to, to see what would happen uh oh. and uh we wished he didn't do that wow but, and we uh, we did it, have richie's we did have richie's plank experience too and and you're very right there for some reason that game makes people do crazy things Right? immersion overload bro. yeah it they, really is. they, be, they yeah. become so immersed that they yeah. just feel like they're like awake in a dream and now they can do whatever they want yeah. and they just go yeah. for it yeah luckily we had someone spotting every single person walking that plank we brought a real plank obviously right we had we made it a little wobbly to freak people out but we had someone there with their hands on everyone's shoulders 
pretty much just yeah. waiting for someone to do something dumb right and uh and there was one like, ah. there was yeah. one beat saber controller that met yeah. a table yeah there was and i think yeah. the haptics died in it yeah i think so did have we tested it since? i have not tested it now but I'm, we but might I'm have lost sure. the haptics in one RIP, of those controllers. rip controller yeah <laughs> that's yep. a bummer it is what it is it is what it is yeah but it was great it was great we introduced a lot of people to vr a lot of people went out and bought headsets whether it be psvr2 whether it be quest 2 we even had someone that was like yo i'm buying a crystal a pimax crystal i'm buying um you know like a rig like yours i'm buying a haptic suit because we we zip people up in haptic vests and everything right and uh people were into it man and some people left and spent a lot of money yeah so for sure and and before we move on i do want to share there was just one moment that like Mm -hmm. really stands out to me from game on expo and it was watching todd interacting with um, one of the kids who came into the booth, I, I'm going to guess he was probably like 10, maybe 10 years old or so, and he was in a wheelchair, and he was playing Job Simulator and doing the mechanic scene in Job Simulator where you're like in front of a car and you're pulling stuff out of it and grabbing things from the shelf and mm-hmm. just like replacing the battery with a potato and stuff. And the this kid who was in a wheelchair couldn't like reach everything so todd knowing the game well enough literally rolled his wheelchair around for him back and forth in between the stations so he could like grab the thing from the table and like he was paying attention he's like okay i'm ready roll me back over and he's like rolling him back and forth in the wheelchair so he can like That's do amazing. and play the game and i was like yes Aww, yes todd. yes todd the homie that epic moment yeah. i really really loved it i anytime someone who is in a wheelchair shows up in our vr booth and they're like hi yeah i'm ready let's go yeah. i'm like yeah you are my dude like, dude let's i know go. todd what a, what a good dude todd is man i i genuinely love todd this is qtc vr gamer todd we're talking about you know i love i love eric too and he flew out and but man todd is he's just fantastic doing things like that is just amazing by the way we may have acquired footage of Eric Masher from QTC VR Gamer playing Beat Saber. <laughs> Just want to throw that out there. Let yeah. us know if you need to see that. Mash is... <laughs> he, there, are, there are no words to describe his incompetence sometimes oh mouse is very competent he just doesn't like beat saber no, i don't know it's more than that he he, <laughs> he loves to just talk smack about beat saber he likes to diminish what he beat does. saber has done for he does. the vr space he does but and we all know it. yeah you know yeah yeah whatever beat yeah. saber is you know has brought a lot of people into vr and i think most of us respect that so yep we do yep. all right listen so we're gonna yep. move on from game on at this point we are um in order to get into today's discussion, we're going to start with um, story time. Yes. So I want to tell you guys, there, there are a couple moments in history that have kind of, that have blown me away. Moments that I create these like key memories. One of them was putting on a VR headset, a modern day VR headset for the first time. One of them was putting on a, you know, a headset from back in the day, like a virtuality headset, right? But one of them was Neos, going into Neos for the first time and, and truly seeing a world of infinite possibility. Another one I had yesterday. I, was, uh, I went into VR with Kensei Gaming. Uh, I went in with Tribe Grey Wolf and Z Storm. And we went into this, you know, the social VR metaverse platform called Riff XR. And Riff is 
like a very small new kind of VR chatty type of thing. So, you know, there's, there's the person who made this or the dev team that made this are very much into uh, like ready player one. And you can tell, because I think they pretty much tried to recreate the Oasis in there from the club that you go dancing in and you can jump off and it's all low gravity and, you know, to all of the different pop culture things around the world that, um, that you would expect to see from a ready player one fan. But what blew me away was there are NPCs, non-playable characters walking around that you can talk to. And they use artificial intelligence. They use OpenAI's GPT to have conversations. Each one of these... um, each one of these beings or NPCs is scripted and confined into a character. So they are programmed to be a certain character from a certain place and they withhold that character, but you can talk to them about anything. It is insane. You can have full blown conversations with these NPCs. Like Z storm was like, at, like got into a conversation with an NPC bartender about Yu-Gi-Oh and the most popular characters and cards and it was insane um and we had so much fun like it, it was like it was hours we spent in there the other thing that was in there that blew me away was there was two holodecks from star wars star trek i'm sorry oh my Please god it was me. you this time I'm sorry star trek it was you <laughs> sorry so there was two, oh, two, yes. two holodecks you walk in it's got you know the lines it looks just like a holodeck and you literally hold a button on your controller and you say whatever it is that you want to say and it generates um a scene for you and then you're standing there in that scene okay hold on time out what yes. do you mean it generates so, a scene so 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 <laughs> the first the, so there's two and and they're very much being developed right now but one of them creates pretty much a skybox a flat round circular thing that you're standing in you can say you know put me in the in the desert with ufos everywhere and you know little creatures walking around or something and it does a couple seconds later five seconds later boom you're there someone else is like oh let me try and they hit the button and they say something and then everything is generated using ai like mid-journey right but this is using stable diffusion and it is generating these scenes that you're standing in on the fly bringing you to wherever your imagination can can take you with words and it's creating these scenes for you we went into the second holodeck where he is um, experimenting with there's an there's another ai that takes the image it creates depth maps to the image and then it tries to construct uh, a scene with depth in the picture so it's not just a flat 360 sphere but now they're adding depth into it so you're we're, we're going to all of these amazing places it, it was insane and we went even went to a van gogh museum where Van Gogh was an AI guy walking around helping us all throughout the museum experience. <laughs> and all of the paintings on the wall, when you walk in, are all Van Gogh paintings. But you can walk up to any painting, you can hold the button, and you can talk, you can say, you can give it a prompt, you know, create uh, whatever you want, and it will generate, it will change that painting into a new painting with what you said in Van Gogh style. Is Van Gogh like like a like a Ready Player Me avatar? Yes. Is he really? But 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 better. He's not actually Ready Player Me. Like they made this Van Gogh character that looks just like him. He wow. had they have his accent. He, they have all the knowledge fed into him of Van Gogh. And you can have a conversation with this AI Van Gogh and he'll tell you about the paintings. He'll he'll talk to you about whatever you want. And it was just nuts. With and then what can, kind of latency? Uh, so the latency was one of the issues. So it would take five, sometimes five seconds 
sometimes 10 seconds to okay. get a response. Yeah. But what happened here was a whole world of, of what is going to be of the future of this tech. This is the worst it will ever be. Right. Right. It's only going to get better from here. I can walk into these places and have a face-to-face eye-to-eye conversation with an NPC. It might take five seconds to 10 seconds for a response sometimes, depending on, on what's happening with the servers. Right. But like, this is amazing. I can speak like we talk about this all the time. Eventually we'll be able to speak existences yeah. and like into existence. And this is happening now. And this blew me away. The so, potential here is insane. When the latency is gone, when the depth maps are better, when the 3D models that you can speak into existence are are, are even better. Like this is the worst it will be and it's already amazing and it's just gonna get better. And oh my God, are we in for an insane future. This is rigged. R- this is R-I-F-F space X-R. Word. Is this the first uh, type of this, like, type of AI integration into an immersive environment that you've heard of, Rick? I'm sure you must have heard of some stuff of, like this by now. Yeah, so, I mean, the, certainly the first of this new generation that I've heard of that, that's at any kind of scale, right? So, I mean, there, there have been people who've tried to do things with XR before or, or XR and AI integration, uh, and there's even a conference, uh, used to be called AI VR. Uh, IEEE AIVR, and and I think they've changed the name to maybe AIXR, uh, where people have been working on this. But this is certainly the most sophisticated thing that I've heard of, where you can just sort of ask questions and, and speak existences into reality, like you were saying. That sounds really fascinating and cool. It is uh, insane. Yeah, there's a lot of potential here. Is there like a um, like a space that you kind of point to when you think about like? You know, when you're thinking about the current landscape of VR and like, you know, if you're going to go and spend time, because like right now, like, you know, we talk about Neos and now Skiva's talking about Riff and I'm sure I'm going to be hearing about this for the next year on every single episode. Get ready, people. No, but, but this is, but this is going to start, this is going to catch on like wildfire. This is going to start to become more and more popular. Eventually, when we start to solve these latency issues. This is going to be huge. This is going to change all of gaming totally, forever. Totally. And you mm-hmm. are always ahead of the curve when it comes to this stuff. So I'm, I'm, it's a true pleasure and an honor to be on the show with you so you can continue <laughs> to break this news for everybody. Um, but yeah, Rick, is there like, um, like an environment or like a certain way that you interact with VR that you kind of think is like the gold standard in terms of starting to immerse yourself in these kinds of things? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I go with really the the most popular stuff is largely really a really good introduction. It doesn't give you everything, right? They do some things well, right? Like I really, we, you talked about Beat Saber a couple of minutes ago. Like Beat Saber is fantastic for getting people into VR, I love it. right? It's like best, best in class, I think, for sort of embodied interaction, which is one of the things that I think VR is really good for. Mm-hmm. Right. So like the VR doesn't isn't the right tool for every problem, perhaps, right? If if you want to think of it that way. But if if you want someone to feel their body and be aware of their body and interact using their body, something like Beat Saber or something like Pistol Whip is really fantastic, or something like Super Hot I enjoy a lot. Uh I really like uh well, I mean I at the time it was what uh 
the Google Sketch product that I, I'm forgetting the name of, which is not Google anymore. Oh. It's since been open source. Where you oh, can yeah, yeah. Um, the tilt Brush? Tilt Brush, yeah. Yep, yep. Tilt Brush. Yep. Tilt Brush, thank you. Yep. Uh, now it's Open I, Brush. I really yep. like that for for making people aware of sort of what is possible with VR, but I think mm -hmm. this is even a step beyond that because you don't necessarily need to have artistic abilities to, to create these realities. You could just speak them into existence. It's uh, really cool. Rick, you, wild. you have been, you've been researching VR since 2005. Is that real? Like that, that is real. Yeah. <laughs> how, what, what does VR research look like in 2005? So I, I just went and looked up the, the first headset that I had ever experienced. So I, when I started doing research, I was working on a virtual research V8 with uh, a massive 640 pixels per eye, you know. Uh, <laughs> wow, pretty high depth. at the time was pretty yep. cool. Uh, and so this was at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. So I started my uh, PhD research there in, in 2005 and took sort of a long and winding path through that research, you know. Uh, but it was really led me to where I am now in terms of what I think is important in virtual reality. So at the time, and even today in the research field, people tend to look at characteristics of the hardware, things that can be measured, right? So it's like, is more latency worse than less latency? Yes, it is. Are more pixels better than fewer pixels? Yes, it is. <laughs> but people weren't really looking at the characteristics of the environment or the software. You know, what is it about these experiences that is really compelling to people, even at the time, right? And even in, you know, the mid-2000s when you couldn't really buy an off-the-shelf VR headset or a VR tracking system, uh, you could render scenes just in black and white, you know, just checkerboard worlds, and people would feel like they were there. There was something happening uh, that that couldn't really be explained by the quality of the immersion, which wasn't really there yet, uh, and couldn't really be explained, I think, by uh, the quality or lack thereof of like the graphics, right? Because even in 2005, the, the systems that we were working on and the environments that we were creating were not up to par with video games of the day, Yeah, right? You mm -hmm. could at the time get, you know, what a PlayStation 2, I guess, was, was probably the hottest thing on yep. the market. And, yep. uh, and PlayStation 2 games looked a lot better than what we were serving people in VR. Right, we we could not compete on that front in in an academic environment. But you put somebody in a headset, and their world changes. Their idea of what is possible changes. And so I've been really interested, really throughout my whole career, of like, what is it about these interactions with virtual or digital objects? that can have a real and a real impact a real world impact on people who use them well and see like this is the thing that blows my mind is like you know to your point 
like seeing is believing with this technology, you mm -hmm. know, like people aren't changed before. Like you could tell me all day that my life is going to be changed by putting this headset on and I'll be like, yeah, cool, whatever. And then it's only when I put the headset on and experience the thing that I'm like, oh, whoa, yeah. okay, I feel yeah, yeah. you. So like, how are you coming to this conclusion in 2005, like when these types of experiences aren't there? Like what what is it about VR that hooked you? Like how did you realize that this was going to be important all the way back then? Uh, I mean, I don't know if I realized, I'll give a little bit of like my journey into VR and maybe that'll make sense to somebody or help clarify it. I wasn't certainly on the cutting edge. I came into a program that already existed and, and sort of hopefully stood on the shoulders of giants to get there. I was a huge video gamer of all sorts, you know, going back to childhood. You know, uh, I'm, I'm a child of the 80s. We had a Nintendo when it came out. We had uh, Apple 2GS in the house playing whatever I could get my hands on at the time all the way through. Uh, Nintendo fanboy for years, you know, got a PC, did lots of network gaming, played a lot of Quake, played a lot of Diablo, you know, played a lot of World of Warcraft. So, like, all these things sort of led me to VR. When I started grad school, I thought I wanted to be, like, not a video game developer, but, like, a, a, to study video games. How are people impacted by video games? That's what I, I thought I wanted to do. Uh, and sort of parallel to that track of video games and computer games, I read a lot of these books that people of our generation read, right? Like about VR and, and about the possibility of VR. So like Neuromancer and particularly Neil Stevenson's Snow Crash was like a big inspiration to me. When I got into grad school, uh, University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, I was working with uh, Mary Whitten and Fred Brooks and they had a research program in, in virtual reality. And I said, I want to work on a the metaverse, right? I, I want to build a platform where people with different types of devices can have a shared experience, right? That that was what I thought I wanted to do. That was, that was my pitch when I walked in the door. Uh, and I was sort of told like, that's too big a problem. You probably can't do that for a PhD, maybe bite <laughs> off something that you could actually digest. <laughs> but like that, that was what I wanted. So it was a combination of sort of video games and, and Snow Crash that sort of led me into VR. And then that was actually the first time I tried it. When I was a, a candidate, when I was visiting uh, UNC Chapel Hill, I did the pit demo, which is sort of the, the original version of Richie's plank experience, right? So it's like you walk out on a plank and you feel like you're on the edge of a cliff. And I was like, this is wild. Like, it, it's barely interactive. Like, it kind of looks bad, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> by, by, certainly by modern standards. But there is... There's something real here. This is affecting me in a way that, you know, Final Fantasy or whatever didn't affect me. Like, even that, mm. that offered something else, right? So, like, yeah. these AAA video games, they offered a lot, and they, they were better and perhaps are better in some ways for delivering certain kinds of experiences. But to, to make me feel like I was somewhere else is not something 
that I, I had ever experienced before. So that was a, a game changer for me. That, that, that was what really solidified my decision that this was research I, I wanted to do. Plausibility illusion. Yes. What is plausibility that, illusion? Uh, so that is the idea. So there, there's a guy named uh, Professor Mel Slater. Uh, he was originally at uh, University College London and is now in Barcelona. Uh, one of the big presence thinkers, pro probably the presence thinker of, you know, maybe ever. Uh, had the original presence questionnaire in some of his research and was trying to investigate sort of like what aspects of a virtual reality experience would make someone feel presence. Uh, that was in the late 90s, right? Mid to late 90s. Uh, over the following 15 years or so, lots of people talked about presence and lots of people came up with different questionnaires to measure slightly different aspects of virtual reality. Fast forward to 2009, I think, and he comes out with a paper in which he proposes place illusion and plausibility illusion as subdivisions of presence. He says, we've, we've been confused, essentially. People mean different things when they say the word presence. It's not useful in an academic way, right? Like lots of, it's become sort of a buzzword. Uh, which I sort of more or less believe is true, right? At least, again, in the academic literature. I think we know, you know, it's like pornography. You know it when you see it, right? <laughs> That's the idea, right? So it, when you have a presence experience, you know what presence is. But I find it unlikely that we can, like, give somebody a questionnaire and get them to rate a bunch of things on a scale from one to seven and be like, yes, this experience is better than that one. Yeah, or I felt more present because, like, at the end of the day, I guess we have to like, like, do you have a definition for presence? Like, how you define the term? Uh, that really an excellent question. Uh, so I sort of define presence as the experience that the virtual is real, right? The the sensation maybe that the virtual is real. Uh, but when that's sort of my off-the-cuff definition. So the, Slater, with place illusion and plausibility illusion, was trying to be a bit more precise, a bit more academic about it. So he was saying that this feeling of presence, that different people mean different things, and it's a little bit squishy and a little bit vague, uh, let's make part of it the feeling that you are in another place. That's place illusion. And that is based on the, the, the immersion of the system, the hardware characteristics of the system. Can I, if I move my hand, can the system track my hand? Is the system aware of the different things that I'm doing? Mm -hmm. But then plausibility illusion was really a new concept and it's a fairly basic concept. So you, you could legitimately say like, why weren't people doing research into this sooner? But it's the idea that the experience you're having is realistic. It makes sense. The things that the virtual characters do, the things that the virtual objects do, are re not necessarily realistic, but plausible, right? Because you can have a fantasy world, mm -hmm. right? You can have a science fiction world. So things may not behave realistically, but they might behave in a self-coherent fashion.
you know, when uh, I'm in a, so, yeah, when I'm in a VR experience, like the act of being in the VR experience, that feeling of presence is very like palpable, you know, like it's there. Like yes. I, I move my hand, I see my hand. I'm like, Whoa, there's my hand. Like that is a true sense of presence. But like you mentioned that you've been a gamer your whole life as a, as have I, as in fact, as you're like naming the games that you played throughout the year, I'm just like, yeah, dude, that's my <laughs> those, guy. Those are good. That's my guy. <laughs> you know, and like I've, I've played countless hours of um, all of all of those games, like world of Warcraft. And when I think about, my memories of playing world of warcraft and like where i was and what i was doing i don't see myself sitting at a computer desk i see the world that my character was involved in like my all of my memories are attached to what existed in the virtual and nothing about what existed in like my room like uh, there's a the can of mountain dew there and i'm in my chair you know like that what that didn't exist that's yeah. not my memory my memory is running through zanger marsh and killing dragonflies or whatever it is so like is that presence say so this is where it gets a little I'm going to try not to be too academic-ish about it, right? So I would say it is a, a partial presence or a form of presence, right? So the, the idea is that presence happens when you have place illusion and plausibility illusion. When you have these two things together, you get the traditional experience that we would call presence. In World of Warcraft, in Azeroth, you know, you might have the plausibility illusion part of it because they they've designed this world really well. Things happen in a realistic, plausible way, unless you like glitch the system or something. You know, something goes wrong. But like, the world makes sense. There are there are magic powers, but they have rules. Right, right. And, and we all so agree you, that you can... these are the rules. Exactly right. So you would have that part of it, but you wouldn't necessarily have the place illusion part of it, or at least not very much of it, right. I would argue. Because when you turn your head, you don't see more Azeroth, you see your Mountain Dew. Right. Right. So, like, that's what VR gives you above and beyond what, like, traditional video games would give you. Totally. And, and the thing that I love, and this is kind of leaning into the, like, um, like Socratic, like platonic, uh, logical line of thought is that like, if we can say, oh, well, VR is absolutely more present than World of Warcraft, then that implies that we know the true essence of presence. Like somewhere within our psyche, we understand true 100% present moment awareness you know what i'm saying yes 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 and i think so that that's beautiful. I, I really think that that's what it is i think presence is a very visceral experience right and so i tend to come down in my more recent research is that we shouldn't so not that it's not a valid object of study, right? Like we, we can study presence, we can think about it, we can say you did feel presence in this instance, what made you feel presence? But in the aspect of like trying to measure it, trying to you know manipulate it in various ways, I think we need more uh, objective constructs, I guess. So that was the direction that, that Slater was trying to go in and I'm trying to go in with place illusion and plausibility illusion and, and embodiment illusions, things like that. Trying to take a step back and realize that presence might be a bit too hard, at, at least at the current state of human history, right? To 
come up with a way to measure how present you are. Right. That's that's what a lot of a lot of research is about. So VR research has historically been dominated by like an, an engineers and an engineering mindset. Yeah. Right. Because it, my, and this is my hypothesis. This is not you know true necessarily. You used to have to build a VR system if you wanted a VR system. Yeah. For for many years. So the the senior people in our field are electrical engineers and computer scientists because that that was what you needed to be if you wanted to do vr right you couldn't go to the shop and buy one uh you had to build it yourself uh i think that's changing uh anecdotally so that's really exciting so like the fact that more people can study what vr experience is about is super interesting to me and super exciting. Like it was a very exclusive field yeah. for many years because you had to have a huge level of technical expertise and a fairly big pile of money that you were willing to more or less throw away. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, and not that many people have, have either of those yeah. things. Uh, so, I, so there's something really interesting here, um, you know, and like, cause so far in this conversation, I'm seeing this correlation between like sensory perception input and presence. Like the more sensory perception input you're getting, the higher your state of presence is and virtual reality as we've kind of um, identified multiple times on this show throughout the years is hijacking your sensory perception organs. It's like saying, okay, no, this is what your eyes are seeing. No, this is what your ears are seeing, blah, blah, blah. But Sensory perception input and presence are not mutually exclusive things. Like I, I'm like there are people who are not present who are walking down the sidewalk. You know, like they're not mm -hmm. present at all. They'll walk right into you. They're just like off and wherever that they are. So it's interesting because, like to your point, presence isn't something that is like exactly measurable and there's not a lot of terminology really to identify it or to like give any kind of qualitative distinction to it because at the end of the day, like there's this correlation between presence and sensory perception input, but they're not mutually exclusive. So what can you say about that? That that's a really uh, savvy point. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. That that's really astute because I think what happens is, so the way I talk about it is that immersion, which is what I and, and many people in, in the academic research field call like the hardware characteristics. Right. So like we don't talk about it. I don't talk about immersion as the sense of immersion. Uh, I talk about immersion as what's your latency? How many pixels? What's your resolution? What are your interaction techniques? Yeah. Uh, and what I say about that is that that enables play solution and therefore presence, but it does not automatically do so yeah it, right? it gives you the to. opportunity to have a presence experience mm -hmm. uh so are, are there some of us it, like, like you said be engaged right so then like you know is the ability to be present something that is like a skill or like a latent talent that some people have you know because like i try to put the headset on some people sometimes they lose their minds they freak out they're like oh my god the whole future just unfolded in front of me and sometimes i put a headset on someone and they're like cool you know it's like yeah what do you mean so i i think i think that's a really good observation and, and i think it is true 
I think that's an aspect that has really not been studied. I, I don't have any data to suggest this, but I think that there's an aspect of, that there's probably a relation to mindfulness of, of, you know, being present in the traditional sense, you know, li living in the moment. Uh, and I think also there, there's probably an aspect of like awareness of your body that comes into play when when that would help you have a presence or maybe hurt having your a presence experience so i i'd be really keen to try uh some kind of experiment with you know trained dancers or uh professional athletes right people who know their body better than i do i'm sort of just a lump of meat right you know <laughs> I, I make no pretensions to be uh, you know an athlete but you know to to look at how people can interact with a system when they can use their body in the way that they're accustomed to using it i think that would be really interesting yeah i, I you know i i get in an incredible bump up in immersion when I'm using something like full body tracking, right? The more, and, and when I'm wearing a haptic suit, right? So the more, the more true to life, you know, the, the more immersed I feel, but also things like uh, frame rate give me an absolutely insane amount of immersion. It's one of the reasons I love the index. It's not necessarily resolution because the, the index doesn't have super high resolution, but what it has is 144 butter smooth frames that really make me feel more present than any other headset does. Uh, you, you know, you take that and you combine it with, with a haptic vest and, and uh, full body tracking and, and wow, I mean, yeah. I'm there. You know. Yep. So I'm. I've got a two-parter. All right. First, I'm going to say what. What, in my opinion, and you know, I know a lot of people are. This is going to be familiar to them because um, they tune in every week. But in my opinion, what the ultimate potential of this tech is, because I feel like we are right there in this conversation, and I would like you to respond to what I say, and then maybe give me your what you think really is the ultimate potential. Um, and we're talking about this this feeling of of present moment awareness and. You know, to me, the the pursuit of being present is a spiritual pursuit. It's it's a spiritual practice to learn how to become present, truly present in the moment and let go of your thoughts and like be here and now. And for a lot of people, it takes some serious stuff. You either have to like commit to years and years of martial arts training, or you have to like take hallucinogenic drugs and like blast off to the, to the edge of existence to have that feeling, you know, and then you can come back and maybe retain a slight piece of it. Um, but I think instead of martial arts or hallucinogenics, people even today already right now can put on a headset and instantaneously become present. They just put the headset on, they look down, they see their hands and they say, holy shit, there's my hands. And they didn't say that when they woke up this morning. They didn't wake up, roll out of bed and say, whoa, here I am. Wow, whoa, I'm here now. And I think VR has the potential to do that. And I think that that is a moment that transcends into the rest of our of our the other aspects of our lives you know like it's not just this like novel moment that you have and, and then you leave away like i think it's something that could profoundly impact your experience as a human so for me that is the ultimate potential of this tech it's, it's the ability to throw on a piece of, of of tech and immediately have a spiritual awakening um what do you think about that and then what do you think is the ultimate potential that is awesome I've, I've i've never consciously thought about it in that way before and that is so 
so cool and so true because you don't think about where you are and how your body works right on when you wake up in the morning like you said but to be able to throw on a headset and it really throws into focus like kind of how amazing it is that anybody feels anything yes right? so, yes that's so what i'm saying I, I i i agree with that right i think that's really cool so i mean anything else with respect to the potential of vr pales in comparison to having you know a spiritual awakening <laughs> but not everybody is going to have a spiritual awakening when they put on a vr headset probably so i'll i'll take this as like a two-part answer as well in terms of like a more practical ultimate potential of vr and then maybe a more philosophical ultimate potential Perfect. VR. Uh, with on the practical side, I think it is going to, in the short term, transform uh, teaching and training, especially for difficult and dangerous jobs. Yep. Right. So, like, if you can learn how to do surgery, even a couple of percentage points better by using a VR training system, that is going to save lives right if you can learn how to be a better emergency responder a better pilot a better truck driver right any of these physical embodied experiences where lives are on the line frankly yeah. right we don't necessarily think of it that way for all these jobs but i think it's true uh if you can get people to train in vr and that training is better and or safer than what they would have done otherwise that's a huge win and i think like you said that's right around the corner like that that is not something that we have to wait 20 years to see the benefits of we could start seeing the benefits of that totally now. in fact when i was in orlando for itsec which is the international training and simulation education conference i think is what it stands for um it's a heavily military influenced conference for technology and it was my first one and i the company i work for makes a haptic glove that uh, the air force uses okay. to do um virtual cockpits and uh, cockpit interactions it has force feedback and vibration in it so it's like a really compelling and like high level um haptic interaction while still being ergonomic like you can still like use your hands comfortably um so anyway we were there showing the glove off and as i was kind of walking around the floor i was seeing like the demos and like the booths of how people are utilizing this technology and i had this like really sobering moment you know because i'm looking around and there's like cadavers everywhere you know or not cadavers but like um dummies you know then like like bloodied men in uniform that are like ever all over the place and i was like oh my god like this literally is life and death stuff like people are leveraging this technology to keep this from happening you know and it was a really sobering moment for me yeah i i so i think that 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 is on the practical side like the huge potential of vr is to make make people safer and, and enable people to live longer better lives right so that that's sort of the practical side and and you addressed sort of the spiritual side uh, and then I'm going to dive at the, the philosophical side a little bit right now, because I think what VR does by giving us the opportunity to create realities, essentially, we can learn more about what makes human experience what it is, right? We can, we can now do experiments that were never before possible, right? You, you had to... If you look at the history of uh, psychology and philosophy, a lot of it was based on thought experiments. So you have like Descartes being like, 
you know, what if there's an evil demon who's giving me all the, the information that I, I see and hear and smell and touch? How can I know that there's any reality? Right. And you've got a, a, a long tradition of people doing thought experiments. You know, the, the hard problem of consciousness or the philosophical zombie. Right. So the idea of like, what if there were another person just like me, but who didn't have an inner life, didn't have conscious experience? Is that possible? Right. So not all of these questions are amenable to experiment necessarily. And they certainly weren't at the time, right? Descartes wrote in the 1600s or something. And like, you, it was, VR was not a thing. Your imagination was the best experimental tool that was available. Right. And, and even Descartes' philosophy was like rooted in that. It's like, it's, I think therefore I am, right? Exactly right. Exactly it's like, right. if I'm thinking, I must exist. Because here I am. I'm thinking. Yeah. <laughs> that is exactly right. Uh, so, like, there, you know, for, for hundreds, thousands of years, the best experimental tool available to, you know, philosophers and, and natural scientists was their own mind. We can now investigate some of those claims and thoughts and ideas with VR. Right. And see, not necessarily the truth. We may, we may not ever get to the truth of like, are we living in a simulation or whatever? I saw that in the chat. Yeah. Uh, but what can we learn about our experience of the world, of the real, the real world, by studying how people behave in a simplified, created world? I love it. We had uh, the uh, Institute of Philosophy or Virginia Virginia State Institute, Institute of Philosophy and mm -hmm. Virtual Reality. And it's it, it's a philosophy group that studies the relationship with virtual reality at the University of Virginia. I think is all correct. Yeah. <laughs> and we had two of the guys from that part from that program on our show, and they were and are and have probably now executed uh, building an experiment in VR of the trolley thought process is the, the trolley mm -hmm. problem. Like to your point, like, like let's, let's take this away from being a thought experiment and give you the ability to, or not to pull a lever and see what you do. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. There it is. We're, and, we're and, running. And, you know, do different people do different things? Are, are there aspects of your personality that correlate with the decisions that you make when you're put in these situations? Right. Does it make you, you know, a better or worse person, yeah. <laughs> right? To having these experiences in virtual reality. So it really gives us an experimental tool that we've never had before to learn about how people think and act, you know, in safe ways, right? Like a lot of these experiments couldn't be done. The trolley problem couldn't be done. You'd be turning a bunch of people into not people right. anymore, right? You can't do that. <laughs> you can't right. do that experiment. Uh, or the uh, Stanford prison experiment, right? And oh, so that, that's a, f a famous example of a thing that has been replicated in VR. And there, there remain ethical concerns, right? So that there are still people who disagree. Is it ethical? Is it safe to make people think that they're imprisoning other people or torturing other people, right? The, these are themselves interesting ethical problems. But 
you can see what people do in this environment without harming real people. Right. Other than maybe the person who's wearing the headset. Right. Right. So. Yeah, I mean, that, that's I, that's a conversation I love to have, which I'm not going to right now, but I do love to have that conversation. Um, so then on the topic of, of ethical concerns and dilemmas, um, because right now it does seem like we are in a, in a point in this technology where the stuff that you're talking about right now is 100% possible. Like, like I just said, Virginia um, Philosophy Labs built the damn thing. You know, it exists. So yeah. it, there it is. It, it happens. But I would, I mean, I don't know. It probably wouldn't have been possible during the virtuality days, right? Mm-hmm. So somewhere between virtuality and now, the technology has, like, hit that threshold where it's, like, good enough, I guess, to be used for these types of things. Um, but to your point now about, like, some ethical concerns, like, the technology is advancing faster than our ability to get ahead of any kind of ethical or moral dilemma that might arise as a result of using the tech. And I'm wondering from where you're sitting, what do you think is like the, like the thing that we should probably get on? Like what's like the biggest ethical concern right now in terms of our adoption with this technology as, as a species? Oh, wow. That, that's a great question. Uh, I think the the answer that comes off the top of my head is is that I think we don't know and this would apply maybe to video games as well, right? I'm I'm not about to say that like playing video games makes you violent. That is not true. That has been debunked in multiple right. studies. Right. right. I'm not making that claim. But whether there is any sort of like ethical harm to the person doing these things not necessarily that it's going to make you go out and commit crimes right like that's not what it's going to do but like is there a desensitization or moral damage to a person and i think it's exacerbated in vr versus you know video games right grand theft auto is one thing but if you you know strangle somebody in in vr does that hurt you does that cause damage to your psyche yeah right and i think it probably does and you can say it's just a video game no one's actually getting hurt well the person who's getting strangled isn't being hurt right but you might be being hurt by participating in that event well let's Uh, let's say let's say you were let's say there's conclusive evidence that you are indeed being hurt by that experience now what like we we can't ban it right no uh i think it's very unlikely i think it's i mean i'm not a politician i have no policy making (laughs) chops i think it's just you've got to make people aware and maybe that's you know PG-13 ratings for virtual reality. It's like, this may cause you to damage your morals. Right. Right. Uh, by participating in this. Right. Because you know? that's so. the interesting aspect of all emerging technologies. Like, every new thing that comes has with it this latent ability to hurt us as w- as much as it's able to, to help us, you know? And, like, TV, I, this was a conversation when TV happened, you know, like, oh, what if it displays images in the home that you don't want the children to see? You know, same with the internet. Oh, what if they get into chat rooms and start getting targeted, you know, by predators and stuff like it happens, but the internet goes on. We're, we're not yes. getting rid of the internet. We're not getting rid of TVs, you know? So like, 
it's like, what can we do? Yeah, that's a good question. So I, I mean, you know, I, I've told the story about how I, uh, I once got into blade and sorcery and, and, uh, you know, grabbed an NPC and cut its throat and I, and I had to take the headset off and I was like, Whoa, what did that, that just really kind of messed me up there for a minute. Right. And, and ultimately, you know, I got over it and I played more games. It was great, but you know, at the Game On Expo, for example, there were these little kids that came in and they're like, yeah, you know, we, we have a quest at home and we play Blade and Sorcery and, and, you know, and, you know, we love like all the different ways we can kill people. And do you think there's, um, do you think there would be any kind of, um, is it, is it, um, you know, easier to kind of mess with someone's mind in these types of experiences if they're a lot younger, if they're like a five, six year old kid? compared to a grown adult that has already had, you know, established their place in reality and, and knows the difference between good and bad and, and all of these things. When you put them in a highly immersive environment and let them commit, you know, murderous atrocities. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, th that's actually really interesting. And th there's been work, uh, not about murder, uh, about more pleasant memories uh, in young children uh, from uh, Jeremy Balenson's lab at Stanford, the Virtual Human Interaction Lab, I think it's called. Uh, and they did some work. Uh, one of his graduate students did this work. Uh, forgive me if I'm forgetting which one. It might have been uh, Grace Ahn, who's now at the University of Georgia, but uh, I feel bad for not remembering the paper. Uh, but... <laughs> They put children in an experience, a VR experience. They got to swim with dolphins, I think, dolphins or whales, that have this magical, impossible experience. And subsequently, they, they didn't remember I put on a VR headset and had a VR experience where I went swimming with dolphins. They remembered I went swimming with dolphins. Yes. It seems, based on my understanding of the research, which is admittedly not perfect, that certainly younger people and maybe people with certain types of mental health disorders, right, or uh, may be more susceptible to not being able to draw the line between a virtual experience and a real world experience. And I don't know enough to answer this question to make policy to address this question but it is certainly true that there this line gets blurred yeah and is that a good thing no maybe maybe not like, <laughs> yeah probably not no. you know, not with commercial applications at least right like uh -huh. maybe if it is swimming with dolphins it's fine if you remember that you went for a swim with dolphins if it's not real but if you're slitting someone's throat, probably not. So that that's yeah. that's a difficult problem. Yeah, it's interesting, man. And you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, like I ask these types of conversations to a lot of our guests, or I ask these types of questions to a lot of our guests because I personally want to have like some kind of 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 like solid picture as to like maybe something I can be a champion for or focus on or like get ahead of or try to prevent like certain doom from taking place. And I really don't know if there's anything that can be done to be completely honest. Like, you know, to your point, um, awareness, right. And like, that's what we try to do is just like 
have the conversation at least make sure that everybody's like aware that this is more than just fun and games like this is going to change the world it's going to change what it means to have a human experience and it might be wise to like maybe be careful a little bit and to like potentially think about some of the ethical moral dilemmas as soon as possible rather than like getting slapped in the face with them and then like trying to dig ourselves out of a hole um yes you know and it's yeah yeah, go ahead i completely agree i i think it's really hard so one of the things that i would hope to accomplish i have not yet accomplished and may never accomplish uh is that aspect of doing research that can inform both policy and like regular folks decision making right so like Oculus and or Meta and now Meta has always said like VR headsets are for 13 plus or or whatever the restriction was on it. And that was for presumably lawsuit reasons, right? We don't want to be putting people in these systems where we don't know what physical harm they might come to by putting on a headset. But I am not very concerned with the physical harm. I'm concerned with the, you know, mental, emotional, psychological potential harm that may result from, you know, a blurring of reality. I don't know. It's it's really hard. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, I think everybody here understands what this this technology is capable of, you know, and I think we all understand the nature of this technology. And obviously we're all adopters. We all use it. We all love it. We, we think about it. We talk about it. We're, we're very much bought in, but the large majority of the humans on this planet are not, you know, like it's still somewhat niche. And, you know, a lot of people by now have heard about VR. Maybe they've tried a quest two at a friend's house and done a little beat saber here or there, which wasn't even the case two years ago, you know? So like we're, we're doing pretty good, but, um, what in your opinion are like the primary roadblocks that are like preventing the level of adoption that we're talking about here? I mean, for me, I, I think the, the biggest roadblock is that it is still primarily an entertainment medium. What you can get out of it are mainly games. And I think if most people who want to play games want to play games a lot, right? Uh, speaking for myself, right? You know, growing up, it would be hours and hours sessions playing whatever it is we're talking about. Let's say Diablo, just because I like thinking about it. Uh, (laughs) If you're going to sit down for a four, six, eight hour session, you probably want to be sitting down for, for, for one example, right? So like, if as long as the primary audience is sort of gaming and gamers, I don't think it's a more compelling use case necessarily than a PlayStation 5, right? Like, it's it's different. It gives you a different kind of experience, but it is a more niche experience. It is not the experience that everybody wants to have in their leisure time, mm-hmm. right? Like, not everybody wants to, you know, get sweaty playing Beat Saber for hours, yeah. right? They, they might just want to sit down and play Call of Duty or, or whatever they're into, yeah. right? Uh, what is preventing, I think, the widespread adoption is that there, frankly, it needs sort of applications that will enable it to be used for work and learning and, and education, right? It, it, I've seen this anecdote somewhere, I forget where it came from, so it may not even be true, but the, the killer app for like the personal computer wasn't Doom, it was Office. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Doom came later. 
you bought the computer so you could have office and then you played doom because you had the computer totally we kind of have it backwards in the vr space or we it's because of the way the vr space has evolved we've done it backwards right the games are the reason you're buying the equipment but there's no reason to keep using the equipment Right, or, or not for a lot of people, right? Some people, yes, they'll buy in, they, they enjoy the experience that VR gives them that's unique from anything else they can get to. But you're not like doing an immersive spreadsheet, yeah. right? And we haven't even figured out whether that's any good or what that application would be. So there's an area of research uh, called uh, immersive analytics, which is to say, putting on a headset or using a projective display or, or augmented reality to look at data of various types. I think that needs to evolve in order for adoption to really get to the level that we're talking about, yeah. right? Where it's not in millions of homes, it's in billions of homes. Like if, if you can't do your job without VR, then you're also going to get more people in Riff XR, and you're also going to get more people playing Beat Saber, and you're also going to get more people playing Blade and Sorcery, possibly. But it needs to be useful right. before we can get like really huge levels of adoption. I really like how you said it. If you need it to do your job, because like right mm -hmm. now, like we do, yep. like we need the technology that we have all mass ad mass adopted to do our jobs. If we didn't have our phones and our computers, we would be screwed. Like, we wouldn't be doing anything. It'd be a lot harder, and it would be a, a lot less efficient in what we do in the internet and computers, and all this has made us more efficient in, in being able to communicate quicker and longer distances and very short periods of time. So, yeah, you know, when, when, when VR and AR gives us that, more efficiency to do things faster and better, I'm sure adoption rates will skyrocket. But the thing I thought was really interesting about your response, Dr. Rick, is that you... It, you didn't say anything about hardware. You say it, your response is entirely software based. So, do you think the hardware is there? Like it's good enough? Like it, people should be able to use this and accomplish what it is that they want? Actually, do I? You know, it will always improve. Hardware will get better, right? Uh, you know, chips will get smaller and faster and more power efficient, and displays will get bigger and clearer. But I think the technology is good enough now for most of what we want to do with it. What we need, and maybe this is going to be, you know, the Apple Vision Pro is as the first wave of this. I have some issues with decisions that they're making around positioning the product and things, but they're going a completely different direction. Totally. Than Vive, Vive and Meta in the sense that they're not trying to give you immersion. They don't want to transport you anywhere. They want to give you a workspace that exists where you are, right? So I don't, I don't know if they're right. I don't know if they're going to be successful. Obviously, like very few people have any idea what the tech actually looks like mm -hmm. at this point. But I think it's, re it's a totally different strategy. And I think it is a necessary strategy to get VR to sort of VR, MR, XR to sort of huge levels of adoption. We need to see if this can work for work. Mm -hmm. uh, and then that's gonna drive all kinds of adoption once once we have that. So I, I think their approach 
uh, even though it, it doesn't necessarily get at these sort of spiritual philosophical potentials of VR that we're talking about, is really a necessary uh, corrective or counterpoint to what everybody else in the VR space is doing. Uh-huh. Right? Yep. So, uh, you know, I think that's, it's going to be interesting. That it is. Yeah, this is all <laughs> super, super fascinating. And um, this, I mean, I could, I could, we could do this forever. Like I could, <laughs> I could just sit here and we could just keep peeling away layers of the onion and just getting closer and closer to the middle of it. But we should probably start to wrap it up, um, sadly. Um, but I do want to um, give you just one more opportunity here, Dr. Rick Scarbez from Latrobe University to uh, just give us one more thing, you know, like obviously like, you know, I've been kind of like controlling where this conversation has been going this whole time, but is there anything that is like important about VR or important about what you're doing at Latrobe over there in Melbourne at 7 a.m. or 8 a.m. or whatever time it is for you now on a Saturday morning, by the way, thank you for joining us early Saturday morning from the future. Yeah, thanks for from coming from the future. the future. It is already the weekend here. So. <laughs> well, no, it's the weekend here because Mike Newton said it was at the beginning of our episode. <laughs> but otherwise, you're, you are correct. So anyway, I just wanted to bounce the ball into your court uh, one more time kind of before we start to wrap this up. Uh, is there anything that you want to talk about, anything that you want to bring up, anything that's important that we should probably know about you, about what you're doing, or about VR in general? Uh, so I, I guess I'll... We'll see where this goes. I didn't prepare a pitch. Yeah, so I, I'm Rick Scarbiz. I'm I'm at LTU in Melbourne. If you want, if anybody wants to talk VR research at any time, you can find me on any platform on things that are probably on your screen. It's it's Rick Scarbiz. I'm the only one. So if you find a Rick Scarbiz somewhere on the internet, I assume it's me. <laughs> uh, I'm really interested in broadly speaking how. Do people's interaction with technologies, advanced technologies, particularly VR, but not only VR, shape and change and impact their lives in reality, right? That, that's the big question that I'm trying to answer is, or, or try, trying to make a contribution to. I don't know if it's even answerable, right? right? But to say, like, if we have VR, how is that going to help or hurt you? in life, right? If you have AR, how is that gonna help or hurt you? If you have immersive analytics, all if all these things. Mm-hmm. So if that's something you wanna talk about, if that's something you'd like to collaborate with, if that's something you have any thoughts or opinions or questions about, I'm interested in talking about it. Uh, I'll just shout out a couple of my students who are working with me. I think at least one of whom is here, Sri. Uh, I'm working with a student, uh, Samad Ruby, an excellent student who's doing work on uh, recognizing emotions with artificial intelligence. So that's obviously not the same as VR, but it's this advanced technology. How does it shape your life when you touch it? Right. That that's really so. I'm I'm all all in that space. I'm happy to talk about it with anybody who's interested. Just reach out. I love that. Yeah, you know, it's really interesting because. I something that I uh, that I I guess say sometimes is that like for me um, like playing games and gaming in general is a way that I really love to connect with with others and I've noticed that in VR especially this happens in flat screen gaming too for me but in VR especially the the sense of presence and the like the realism of the experience that we're having like I personally don't 
need to like have a conversation with you while we're having this experience together to feel like I'm connecting with you deeply. You know, like I would, I'm happy to just go into a game and be immersed in it and like have you be there with me and have us like not even talk about what we were doing today. You know, like we just like bounce the ball back and forth and I feel like I'm, I'm connecting with you on borderline a deeper level than one if I was sitting here extracting and exchanging information from you. And I do think that VR is capable of delivering that feeling a lot stronger than if I was playing something like World of Warcraft where maybe I just might start going off on a tangent like talking about something that happened today. But in VR, I'm present, I'm there, and I don't even need anything else. Like I'll just sit there and vibe with you. And like, I love that. Yeah. No, that that's fantastic. So uh, I'll just chime in with one more thing that I didn't touch on before about the potential of VR. And then I think I can wrap it up there probably. Okay. Is that like, as a social experience, as a shared experience, you know, this is something like Zoom or Discord, uh, where we are, uh, for, for anybody who wants to see behind the scenes, right? We're, we're in, in a, a shared video call. And that's great. I don't know what I you're really talking about. We're in a spaceship, bro. Immersion. <laughs> <laughs> Immersion. Uh, but like, it's great. I'm vibing. I'm I'm into it. I'm enjoying this experience immensely. But it is. We are not. Despite illusions, like on the spaceship together, Correct. that would be awesome. But like, if we can do something, if I can do something and it impacts you. If we are in that space together, that's a form of connection that you don't get, you know, even with, you know, live video feeds and low latency, right? It's it's doing something that impacts another person. Uh, and I think that there's a lot of potential for like enabling social connection across distances. Uh, and I hope we see that. That might be just around the corner. So uh, I hope it happens. Dr. Rick Scarbez. Thank you so much, dude. This was such a great conversation. This is exactly what I was expecting. And you delivered entirely on all the expectations. They were set high. It was a high bar and you nailed it. Um, thank you so much for bringing not only your perspective, but your, your, um, uh, academic perspective, you know, cause like, well, I feel like we share some perspectives, but I'm always coming at it from this, just like, you know, like less formal, very anecdotal way of communicating about it. And I love when we have someone like you who comes on, who has the academic approach and can like use the right words to describe the right thing and maybe make it a little less anecdotal and a little bit more tangible for everybody. And, um, it means the world to us that you'd uh, wake up early on your Saturday to do this with us, man. So thank you so much. No, thank you. I had a blast. I would do this anytime. I'm sure there, you're, there's a long list of people beating down your doors who want to be on the show, but you know, I, I had a blast. So thanks for having me. Well, we, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll carve out a little nook, a little cranny on the spaceship for you. And, you know, you can keep your <laughs> stuff in there. And one of these days we'll have you come back on and, and we'll dive into it again. Maybe, uh, once you make a breakthrough that you can come on and just like shout about it and we can dive into that together. Um, but yeah, this was so much it. fun, man. We really, really appreciate having you on thanks again everybody join thanks, us Rick. in uh, saying Super goodbye fun. to dr rick scarbez from latrobe university in melbourne australia thank you brother we'll see you soon bye rick bye have bye. a good one and he's gone there he goes just like that that was rad ah i might i feel like uh 
feel like my brain had like a nice workout, you know, <laughs> and I have that like post workout, like euphoria. I'm like, oh, yeah. that's the good stuff. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. I love, you know, I, I, I love how many different types of discussions we can have the different types of people that come at XR from different angles, uh, on this show from, from content creators to game developers, to people studying in academia. And, uh, I just think it's, it's awesome and it's so much fun and i'm glad uh, rick was able to join us today totally i mean he's mm -hmm. out there like literally pounding the pavement yeah like figuring yep. it out like trying yeah. to make a contribution to this like sea of unknown knowledge with this tech that's just emerging in front of our eyes it's a beautiful thing it is beautiful like we're not doing uh, we do what we can you know but yeah. we're not doing that like, <laughs> that's so epic you know it's so epic um so yeah you're right man i i love just the wide variety of perspectives yeah. and um you know like a lot of times we'll kind of ask similar questions to different people and get wildly different perspectives yeah. and thoughts you know absolutely just like t takes yep. the conversation in different yep. directions and uh, that's this is this is it man this is the good stuff this is why we do this <laughs> it absolutely is and it's not going to stop this week you know, next week we are going to stop for a minute because I'll be at Gamescom. Uh, you know, you. going going to I Germany hate for, you. for the biggest you know video game convention on the planet, Shut and up. then heading over to London to see some of the homies over there. Shut up! <laughs> oh, but, I'm so, so we won't. But when we come back, our next guest is going to be uh, Daniel, who's the CEO of AIXR, and AIXR is the Academy of International Extended Reality. Um, they do all kinds of things. One of the things they do is the VR Awards, which, uh, by the way, I want to give out uh, just a shout out to both of our companies, um, Impact Reality XR, who, who I co-founded uh, with, with Jasmine and uh, Eric Masher, has been um, nominated for VR Rising Company or Rising VR Company of the Year. Amazing. Which is amazing. Completely We're a, we're a finalist in, in this category. Um, and I believe... Um, Contact the, CI. Yeah. Boom. I, uh, I submitted Contact CI for some awards in the VR awards. Let me tell you something. Those award submissions, they are a pain in the ass. They really they are. are not easy to do. <laughs> like so many questions. Yeah. They want a lot of characters and a lot of the questions are redundant. So you're like, how am I going to answer this again? <laughs> you know, but here we go. And I managed to get through it. And we yes. uh, contact CI Maestro EP is a finalist in two categories out of the three that we applied for, which I'm happy amazing. With. Yeah. VR That's hardware amazing. of the year and in good company on that list with like the quest pro HTC XR elite PlayStation VR two, um, a treadmill that was made for film and uh, movie industry nice. stuff and whatever that's it's it's a good company to be in um and then also uh vr enterprise solution of the year very nice so it looks like we're gonna very be nice. in uh, the netherlands uh, we will come be year's end in november both in tuxedos this time you know last year you went to represent between realities and contact ci that's right and uh represented me there as well and thank you for doing that while i was at resolution games give you Sweden. a shout out on the stage you did buddy and i love that <laughs> but this year i will be there with you in a tux. Giving me a shout sick. out on this day. Absolutely. That's right. You know I will. And it's going to be great. But anyway, our next guest is the CEO uh, and co-founder, I believe, of uh, of the Academy of International Extended Reality, who does the XR Awards, but so much more. We're going to find out all about what what this is all about. Amen. And see uh, see how it all works. So it should be awesome. You gaming this weekend? Awesome. I... I'll probably do some gaming tonight, but I have to pack and I will be on an airplane for over 12 hours tomorrow on my way to Germany. 
Brutal. Um, so yeah, it will be a little brutal. Get stuffing in a little metal tube that will be hurled across the ocean um, with me crammed into a little seat. You know, business class, man. Get that business class. Yeah, get the aisle seat. Get, get, get what you I need. think I need a few more awards for it. Can <laughs> afford that business class. You know what I mean? Fair enough. But I will be there probably with a Quest 2 stuffed on my face, with probably Roked AR glasses, watching some movies, and just trying to get through those flights. Uh, but it's going to be great. So, well, yeah. you know, my wife is in Chicago for the weekend. Yeah. So I've got, uh, I've got the place to myself and some extra hours. So Ooh. join our Discord server yeah. linked in the description below. And and check out the multiplayer section because I'm probably going to be looking for some games. I am overdue on some multiplayer sessions. Nice. So nice. join Discord. Ping us this weekend. Um, I guess Skiva will be gone, but ping me this weekend. Maybe even tonight. Mm. Rush home and we can jump into something. Maybe some good old fashioned population one. Even you know, like uh, <laughs> it's been forever. Um, but I think that that about does it for this week's episode of the Between Realities VR podcast. That's right, your favorite VR podcast ever made in the entire universe. Um, <laughs> August 18th, 2023. Just another awesome one in the books. Uh, anything else? I think that's it, man. I am uh, stoked to get back to you guys in two weeks uh, and be back with my VR fam. You will be missed and mm -hmm. I will be jealous. And um, we'll, we'll see you guys in two Mr. weeks for yeah. another episode of Between Realities with right. Daniel from AIXR. Have a good weekend. See you soon. Bye-bye.